Hi, welcome back to Fort Speaker. You're here with your hosts. I'm David Trum. And I'm Emma Tang. This week's episode is called What Do I Love and How Do I Do It? This topic is actually first, we, we decided to do this topic um, simply because we've got some students here at the centre and students of us who have graduated and are about to go into university, but they've actually messaged us just in regards to some concerns that they have regarding this upcoming year and this semester. But we've actually decided with this episode to break it up into two parts to make it easy for our listeners. So part one is called, what do I love? So my first question for you, Emma, to give, you know, these readers of ours and listeners of ours, just a bit of a quick understanding. I want to ask you, so when you were at university, did you meet people who were there and you knew for 100% certainty that they were only there to get a job and then to get money out of that job because of this degree? I mean, yeah, of course. Like uh, when I first thought about going to uni, 50% of it was going to uni because it was what was expected of me. Mm. Um, You know, as a first generation uh, Vietnamese, Chinese, Australian, um, you know, my family had really put this idea that I would have to go to uni. Not that I resented that by mm. any means, but yeah, absolutely. There were definitely people there who were there and were there from like, you know, 8 to 1 p.m., whatever times their lectures were, and then they'd just go home. Mm-hmm. And they were just doing it. They were just going through the motions because they were there because of parental expectations and also like the big pot of gold at the end. There was very much a you do it because you have to, not right. because you want to. Right. And like, to what extent would you say when you felt as though you knew that these students at university were only there to get the degree, to get the job, to get that money, was that palpable in the way that they were in the lessons with you, in the group tasks and the group assessments like that? Yeah, absolutely. Like for those of us who don't know, uh, David and I were both prospective teachers. David did his BA. I did my BA, B.Ed. Uh, at UNSW and like it's quite a reputable uni as well like you don't expect a whole bunch of drop kicks to be at this uni but definitely there was a huge number of people in the degree in the cohort who were there simply to you know tick a box to tick a box Uh, yeah as horrible as that is to say and as as terrible as that forecast is for the teaching industry in, in in Australia and New South Wales I had so many crappy group members who were just there because they just needed a 50 um so that they could get a degree which you know to be fair sometimes uni is completely irrelevant to real life like i feel like i haven't learned that much from my university courses um but i mean i think that says something about your work ethic and Mm. the way that you kind of see yourself as a teacher like i I was the president of the UNSW Education Society. Like I was quite involved. I was quite a good student. Um, I'm graduating with a distinction. And I like to think that it's these little things, even though sometimes I felt like it was irrelevant, mm-hmm. it's what makes me like a semi-decent teacher. It, it, what, it's what makes me good at what I do. Mm-hmm. Have you had similar experiences, David? I actually have. Like, I won't actually lie. I started out, I love what I do here. I love teaching and I really do love teaching English to the students, even at folk high education, right? Obviously, but I will admit that when I was doing, doing the degree at university, there were moments of me, myself, where I felt, yeah, you know, like 
this will pay good in the future. It's stable. Like, let's not lie. Teaching, especially when you teach, you know, in a government high school. Yeah. Super duper safe. Yeah. You yeah. would have to be doing something. Really, really shit. Absolutely. Yeah. Like, sinful, right? Yeah. Sacrilegious to get yeah. fired. So for me, I knew there was an aspect of like job security to it, but absolutely. Like I, it was only until about the third year of university where I, I, I really appreciated, you know, the institution of university the privileges that I had at university, the experiences I was getting, the knowledge I was consuming, the qualification that I was about to get, I, that was when I really appreciated mm. it. But by then, what also became apparent was that I was working with a bunch of people, not all, but especially at my university, um, you definitely feel that there are people there who just want to get the degree, to get that job, to get that money. And they were happy to work at any run-of-the-mill school simply because it was it was a center pay the bills and you know that to them that that's fine for them but you you just see how in the long run kids in the government system right they get affected and yes you we've worked in we, yes. we actually met at a school out in um, Parramatta we're not going to name names but you know we we worked in a position as SLSOs teach that's that's um short for student learning support officers of you for you for those of you who are not you know can um for the uninitiated yeah, yes but with that in that sense what it just means is we are very privy to the way teachers teach in classes mm. right because mm-hmm. where we can go in and we can see them working directly with students deputy principals head teachers and principals they don't get to see it yes. and if they do they don't see the true day to day operations yeah. of teachers yeah. it's and teachers s- on their best behavior yeah, and students on their best behavior yeah, as well yeah. yeah and so when we're there right yeah. even in my current position you know we see the ins and outs of teachers and how they operate when really no eyes are looking at them and you can absolutely tell out of those teachers who went to university, got that job to get that money and purely it stopped there, full stop. Um, but no, absolutely, I, I've seen my fair share and I've seen, I've also seen that a fair share of those students drop out of university by yeah. the time they get to the master's degree. I've had, my at my university, we went, it was three years of the bachelor's, pause, comma, and then we would have continued on to the master's of teaching pathways. But by then, we absolutely saw a I had a bunch of friends who dropped out and went into other professions and careers with their BAs. So, for example, I know someone now who's a florist. Look, look, which is fine, which is fine. But, you know, you have to ask yourself, you know, how how relevant is the BA to being a florist? Yeah. So, but yeah, that was my experience. But yeah. What about you though, Emma? Like, I know you said you've met some of those people, right? Hmm. Have you, though, seen a change, I guess? in the? You're still at uni, right? You said technically you're still... Yes, but I'm I'm a fully-fledged teacher now. I'm just doing my graduate diploma. So right. I'm all sorted. I've been teaching at schools in different capacities, sometimes right. substitute, sometimes I've got longer temp terms. Yeah. Right, right, right. So for you, it's obviously it's clear to you like that you know what you love. Yeah. You love teaching, right? Yeah, I do. As, as do I. But in your experience especially towards the end of your semesters with your recent degree right Mm. did you feel that even then there were people who did not love the teaching profession but were really so far into it yeah that they decided to not quit oh my god i couldn't yeah 
if I had a dollar for every single person I met like that, um, folk high education would would not have started in like a crappy right, rental. We right. would have been in this beautiful commercial space. Right. We would have had like massive sunroofs and I wouldn't be driving a 25 year old Toyota RAV4 with a window that doesn't work, 100%. And it, it honestly, it makes me so incredibly sad and I'm going to sound a little bit anti-establishment here, but seriously, I think the, the degree structure and the way that teacher training is in Australia is completely broken. Mm. You've got people who genuinely don't want to become teachers. So let's say, you know, we've got a few people. I have, uh, you know, some acquaintances of mine who did a BA and, you know, they, they wanted to, or a, a fine arts degree, and they wanted to be like an artist or they wanted to go into theatre or whatever, mm. um, and they realised that they couldn't get a job. Um, and so they defaulted on teaching as if though that was a secondary thing. Yes, and wow. so yes. yeah and so it's these people that really crowd up the job market yeah um because they're just so oh, i can't do thing in x career right. so i'm just going to fall back on teaching and that kind of that that assumption that they make is incredibly dangerous because mm. then teaching becomes like a secondary job you mm. know it's not it's it's not that mm. you know to be a good teacher it's hard work it's it's very much a vocation it's not it's not a it's not a job right yeah so 100% even towards the end of it towards the end of my degree i 100% saw people like that and it was incredibly disappointing mm-hmm. okay what we'll do then we're going to take a break and then after the break we'll come back and we'll start to answer the second part of this question of how do i do it it's being what i love But that's it. We'll come back in a minute. All right. Welcome back, folks. So um, let's move on to the next part of our podcast, which is how do I do what I love? David, would you like to elucidate on this a little bit further? Yes. So with this part here, I think this is probably the single most difficult part that students and even young adults have answering with themselves, right? Because we used to work with, people our age Mm -hmm. um, who towards the end of their degrees were still trying to figure out what exactly do they love and whether or not it's true and how do they go forth achieving that and like we mentioned in the previous part where we mentioned a lot of people who had dropped out and had a career path right I think when it comes to figuring out how do you do it for me personally I'm here now today doing and teaching at Folk High Education because I was able to experiment with a lot of jobs. I was able to be in and work in multiple industries with multiple people who have multiple competency levels to be able to figure out what I do now and what I love now. And I think that was the beauty of it. I think coming straight out of high school, going straight into university, although it had seemed to be the right path and the path that society had set out so clearly for all of us, Mm. it ironically didn't work in the sense that it didn't help me figure out what I wanted to do. It didn't help me figure out what I loved, not in the slightest, simply because it felt right, but you didn't feel as if it was unique to you and it didn't reflect what you really wanted to do. Yeah. So it was only really until like I, I finished my BA and failed like one of my two <laughs> units in the master's course, which was also because of, I was working with some people who didn't love what they were doing. 
um, that I realized that I took some time off. Like, mm. I took the whole year off, and I think when I took that time off, you also yeah, it was so bad. Yeah, you took the time off as well. But no, I, I took that year off. Um, I was working full time at the school I was at as a teacher's aide. I quit my job because I wanted some more money. I worked at CBA for like two months. I don't know why because I felt so lost there as well. But I think it was amongst all of the job changing, the, the industry changes, as well as the previous experience that I, you know, had, had had dabbled with, even during my degree, that kind of refined what I wanted, mm. and that was teaching. Like I had to move away from teaching, mm. go into like the banking sector. Mm-hmm. I had to go into the marketing field and like the the PR field to really realize and truly appreciate like teaching, mm. and that. I, I remember I was talking to you about it. Like I was when I was in the banking sector, I was on the phone with you oh like, what, one third all of the, time, the time, all the time, calling you and saying like, "I miss teaching. I I cannot believe I dropped all that for this." But yeah. you know, I, I think I had to, and I, as I always say to another friend of mine, like I had to really put all my hypothesis about what I loved to the test. Mm. And I feel like not a lot of people do that. Not a lot of people will are, are willing and prepared to put the hypothesis about what they love and about what they hate to the test. Mm. And I think it's it's being stagnant and not willing to act on it that keeps people kind of confused about what they really love to do. Yeah. What about you though? Like how did you um, figure out that teaching is for you? So I I had a quite quite a similar similar experience to you. Mm. And to our listeners, I, I have two words when you want to figure out what you want to do and how you do what you do, and that's eat shit. <laughs> <laughs> Literally just eat shit. Right? David and I, you know, before we started working together and before we started this business, we were eating shit and just working for other people. You know, yeah. I, I have had a number of jobs um, of varying degrees of quality and, you know, varying levels of happiness. And I think it's exactly right. Like mm. I had to put, I guess I had to, I had to experience the worst iterations of teaching mm. to realize that I actually still like teaching, even yeah. when it looks like this, mm. you know, even when it looks like you've got this crazy, mental cycle help like head teacher who just is completely unhelpful mm-hmm. um and yeah absolutely it's just you just have to put yourself out there you just have to do all sorts of things you have to experience all all the world before you can figure out how you how you're going to do what you love to do mm-hmm. you know and realistically just coming back to what david was saying before about like that university school like catalan because it is a catalan isn't yeah. it it's yeah, it's yeah. like you know, the expectation is you go to school, you get a great ATAR, and then literally you have like two months off where you find a part-time job at like Glue or Universal yeah. and you just go to uni. Yeah. And you just you just have uni full-time and then like you work some crappy part-time job until yeah. you find an internship. And it's just, it's it, I think that's so broken because yeah. I'm going to be real with you. When I was 17, 18, like yeah. getting into uni, I didn't know anything about the world. I didn't know what the world looked like. Yeah. I didn't know the realities of the world. But like in the moment, you you feel like you yeah, do that. Yeah, yeah. Like it's, like it's this it. very like 
I like I felt like you know Ariel from um, yeah a trance almost yeah it's like you know yeah. I know the world like I don't uh-huh. need you anymore dad yeah. like I'm gonna go see what yeah. it's like on land right and then I immediately get chewed up and spit out <laughs> like it was so so but you know what that's that's like part of the mantra you just have to eat shit you just have to realize what the world is like yeah you know yeah. I agree with you on that I think I think with us as well. Not only did it kind of reinvigorate an appreciation for what we love, mm. but I think in switching jobs, in working for other people, in eating absolute shit, and you know, not going on holidays, not going on beach yeah. houses, and really <laughs> sacrificing. Really I mean, we don't have friends to begin less, with. Yeah, be honest, right? Like you know, and sacrificing really what was largely meant to be an exciting you. Yeah, I think all of that really culminated to not just reinvigorate as i said an appreciation for teaching but it kind of heightened it because i think with us what helped all of that was it what it did was it we loved teaching so much and the experience of teaching that we sought to change it we sought to make it our own we sought to break free of the red tape Mm, so that we can do what really is the thing that's going to matter and that's making a change in the classroom right yes for the kids yes like we can do everything we do here without the restrictions of yes you know department government you know red lines and bureaucratic red tape you know job changing was another thing that you used in order to find out what you loved what's another thing you recommend for people out there like students who've just graduated from our center in order to find out what they love and, you know, how about they're going to go about achieving that? You know, when I was in my first and second years of uni, I was like a diehard public school education teacher. I genuinely believed that this was the hill I was going to die on. Like mm. I didn't, I could never have seen myself in, in the situation that I'm in right now where I'm in very much a for-profit business environment where I mm. just get to do what I want to do. Yeah, without any to the dark side. Yeah, huh? pretty much. It's all because of you, David. Let's be honest here. It's all because of you. But, like, I don't regret it for one minute. And I think that segues really nicely into what I want to say, which is you need to be meeting the right people. Yeah. David and I met, um, and the way we met, it was incredibly, like, even if a fraction of yeah. like even if someone closed the car door differently i don't think we would have met yeah. and worked in the same way that we did right. so when david arrived um and started working at the school that i was working at i was actually meant to leave and so do maybe. my placement yeah. yeah but because of i don't know something something yeah uh you decided to yeah. extend i decided to to take an extended leave of absence so i actually took um a gap year. Well, it was only supposed to be a gap semester. Yeah. And then I just realized that I learned so much more uh, outside of the university context about, mm. uh, you know, teaching that mm. I just decided to extend it to an entire gap year. Yeah. Um, and it's during this year that I realized that networking yeah. and I'm, I'm not talking about like, you know, these frat houses and these massive parties. Like yeah. genuine networking where you meet people who have similar values to you and who have similar, I guess, work ethics as well to mm. you, 100%, something that really is incredibly important uh, mm. when you try and figure out what you want to do and how you want to do it. Yeah. Uh, most definitely, David has been 
completely indispensable to my professional career as a teacher. Um, and, you know, I really would not have had the courage to start this business without him. So, you know, I lucked out finding David. Oh. All right. Yeah, that's the only time you're going to hear me say that. Um, but, yeah, definitely networking. How did networking work for you, David? No, like, as I said, like, with – in terms of networking, same situation. Like, it was when I was at university, I just realised – I was one of those people who really left university early, like on time. Like if I finished my class, there was no chance I was staying there. I was the first one <laughs> out of that place simply because I just felt like at university, as as educated as the people there are and as, as, as much as I enjoy the conversations I have with them about, you know, the things like literature and text and whatever it is, I just didn't feel like I was actually learning and the upbringing in quotation marks like actually learning mm. i felt a lot of the things that i was learning outside whether it be with a colleague whether it be with a boss whether it be with you know even someone who was on par with me in terms of like knowledge but you know in a different industry i feel like i learned more i felt mm. like as if that was adding more value to my life because i was actually seeing work being done in those areas make kind of like a debut in the world stage because at yep. the time I was working you know in the PR industry and I was working with marketing and I saw how the knowledge that I was consuming from these people was affecting the real work that I was producing out into the world you know what mm -hmm. I mean and yep. I think I think seeing your knowledge and seeing things you learn come to life like that I felt that was invaluable yeah so networking has done a great deal for me on top of the fact, of course, meeting my future business partner for you. <laughs> but, yeah, no, networking, even, even you know, for me today, like, I, I network regularly, but it's, I might not necessarily have a goal behind it, mm. but eight out of ten times when I'm talking to someone new, even with, without intentions mm. to, you know, leverage off, you know, whatever capital they have, yeah. or whether it be any social, financial, emotional capital they have, yeah. I end up finding that there's something valuable behind them. Do you mm, know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, like I end up finding out that they, they know a certain someone who could help them with my business, for example, or I know that they have connections to, say, a, a new kind of product that's being sold at a store, whatever it is. Yes. <laughs> I find some great sales assistance. It's the best thing. And, you know, I think it's seeing how those interactions can kind of, be taken and then manifest into something else that is going to affect me in the real world. Not necessarily tangible, but just real world. I think that was far more valuable to me. Yeah. I think that's what helped it really a lot. Um, so, yeah, I think, you know, networking, it's it's an important facet that a lot of kids, even in high school, they don't realise. Yeah. Uh, sorry, even in university, they yeah. don't really appreciate, right? Because they think, I can do this all myself. I can, you know, pull myself up from the boot, from my own bootstraps and I can really achieve what I want. Yeah. And although that's, you know, true, yeah. you can't deny that it's going to be much easier if you talk to someone and then find the right people to help you in your journey. Yeah. Whether it be to make money or whether it be to, 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 you know, just have an appreciation for something new, right? I think having people around you, the right people, can really set you on a positive path, whatever they may be. Building on that, David, mm. I think... Um, especially when I was younger, first, second year, I had this very antagonistic view on networking, as I feel. Same. Yeah, most arts graduates same, do, right? Same, same. We we kind of 
point our nose down at this and be like, this is something only you know business majors do or whatever yeah. it was. Yeah, right? the economic yeah, majors. Yeah, those, those. They wings. go to those fancy yeah. parties yes. and they drink their fake champagne. Yes, yes. I get it. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I kind of, I, I want to just maybe dispel some myths here yeah. about that because it's not like that at all. No. Like when David and I started working with each other, and let me let me be clear, we started working with each other before we were friends. And even then, <laughs> like even now, jury's still out on whether or not we're friends, honestly. Um, jury is still out. But most definitely when you network, I think one thing you really have to keep in mind is that it's not always about what they can do for you. Yes. And it's not always about, like, it's not, it doesn't always have to be transactional. Yeah. I think a big part of networking is just being a likable person and having a good chat. You yeah. could not have put that better. Yeah. I think this is going to sound so, so controversial. Oh, no. <laughs> I think good networking is like sex, right? In the oh, my sense, God. Oh, my God. In the sense that if you're looking to gain something, it will not come. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good one. Well if done. you are doing it with the purest of intentions, just to be another good human being and then to meet another good human being, yeah. I think something genuinely amazing happens. Yeah, definitely. As with my most valuable connections, right? Yes. They're the ones who I've met on a whim. Yeah. With zero intentions. Yeah. But I've worked out to be financially emotionally every way possible have been the most valuable to me than those who i've you know actively sought to to gain a leverage out of from yeah yeah definitely that's what i found yeah um so yeah i think with us right we started off as acquaintances Mm -hmm. right work colleagues feeling the waters yeah a year and a half yeah and then eventually it built to something really important. Yeah. And I think that's what, as I said again, a lot of people when they first start off networking, they overlook. Yeah. They really go in, you know, gung-ho, okay, I've got a to-do list. I'm going to write down my goals. Yeah. And- <laughs> I've got to meet this CEO and this CTO yeah. and all these other CE, whatever, yes. C-class executives. C- yes, yeah. exactly, right? I need to take a photo with them. Yeah. I need to post a LinkedIn message oh, about them. Yeah. I need to thank them for the time of meeting me. And I think in the long run, that just comes off as very desperate. Yeah, and insincere. Like, who yeah. wants who wants someone like that in their yeah. lives, you know? Yeah. Whereas I think nowadays, right, like, what what's a really good effective technique that I started to do? I used to be... Oh, here we go. I used to be so uptight with the way I communicate with people on Instagram just in terms of being selective as to who I communicate with, right? Yeah. Now, if I see a hot post, whatever it is that I just immediately like, instantly I will just message them and be like, hey, that was so hot. Mm, that yes. was so nice. Yeah. Or like, you know, oh my God, like, can I get that as well? Yeah. Where did you, like how? I think yeah. it's just being able to put down your guards and let yourself be vulnerable for that split second. Yeah. People appreciate that yeah. and they're so willing to reach out. Yeah. But back in the days, I think, you know, because, you know, you're still in uni, you're still trying to prove yourself, yeah. you're still trying to build that ground and you're trying to build reputation, you just have your guard up all the time. You're constantly on the lookout to, to see what people can do for you. Yeah. Like you said before, yeah. right? Now, I am so all about 
supporting local businesses. Yeah. I have actively, like the last person who I spoke to about supporting the business, I actually said to them, like, can you please post something on your Instagram so that I can share it? Because mm. I want to support y'all, but there's nothing visually I can support. <laughs> like, I, I, what do I, how do I find, I don't even, I don't, yeah. how do I find your business? Yeah. How do I, how do I find your cause? Whatever it is. Yeah. But I, you know, I'm so more about actively going out and, you know, looking to help other people. I think that's the trick. I yeah. think, I, look, I'm very new to it. Yeah. I'm not going to say I'm a professional. Yeah. Check, check back in six months. Let's see if we'll we've check, changed our narratives. Yeah, that, that's a good, we'll <laughs> do that. We'll, we'll check back in six months, but I'm very new to this, but I'm just starting to say that, um, yeah, when it comes to networking and successful networking, um, I think putting your guards down and being not being afraid of being vulnerable is so important in the long run, you know, for if, for your success, not just at university, not just with the jobs, but also for your future, for business, for anything out there that you can imagine. Yeah. Yeah. And I think a lot of people are really surprised at just how willing other people are willing to give. Yeah. You know, yeah. I have, I remember when I was in like my final year of university, this was after my break, by the way. Um, and I had come back to uni with like this renewed sense of self. And I was like, you know what? I've chosen to be here. So I'm going to make the most of it. Mm. Um, and that year, anytime I read an interesting footnote or I read an interesting piece of literature, or I had a question about the reading that I had, mm. I would literally just email the person who wrote it Yeah. and I didn't just chat and like, you know what? I, I'm friends with so many of them now, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. I, I, I'll have coffee with my professors every now and then. Mm-hmm. And I think it's. For, for a lot of people who, you know, have just finished high school or are just about to finish high school, you come to the real world, again, in inverted commas, in mm-hmm. uni, in the workforce, thinking that, you know, no one's going to give you the time of day. They will give you the time of the day if you're nice. Mm-hmm. You know, if you reach out to either of us on Instagram, um, I'm not on Instagram so much. David is more so. I'm but so on Instagram. He's so on Instagram. <laughs> um 100% like we'd be more than happy to have a chat with you yeah yeah no I think you know and that that, that this is actually gonna you know lead us into the next dot point as to how people especially young people can find out how to do what they really love right and I think networking is such a good way to lead yourself into what I used to hate but I really think is valuable now and I think that's interning Oh, controversial. Controversial. Yeah, unpaid internships, look, they're terrible. Yeah. And they are 100% like yep. just capitalism is at its worst, yep. right? It's like, let's, how can we extract the most value without spending a cent? Uh-huh. But absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> for the both of us, they have been golden, golden experiences. Yeah. It, you know, it's hard like what you said before, you know, if, if your internship was, oh God, look, a, 20-year-old me would kill myself now if I had heard this. <laughs> I think if your internship was paid and you got, you know, remunerated out of it very well, I think you do lose a bit of value in terms, in the in the long run, right? Because it's, it's like what we said before, unpaid, you're really forced to think on your feet, eat on your feet, and yeah. really provide for yourself in a way that, you know, you wouldn't have otherwise been able to do if it was paid. Um but that's a conversation for another day. But I think internships themselves mm. really provide valuable insights and information 
for whatever industry you want to get into. And even if it's an industry you don't want to get into, yeah. I mean, that's equally as valuable, Yeah, absolutely, right? yeah. So what, what internships have you done, Emma? So I've obviously done the internship with uh, my university as well. Mm. But before I started working for uh, another tuition centre, yeah. I interned with them. Mm. And uh, after I had been employed by them for a while, I started interning them for free. Wow. And I would write their content. Like, so I, for a short while, yeah. uh, managed some of their, uh, I guess, landing pages for right. websites. So, like, by content, do you mean, like, co- like copywriter? Or do yeah, you mean- copywriting. Oh, okay, yeah, 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 copywriting. And I would also write the work content. Mm. You know, I would, yeah, I would pilot worksheets, you know, if, because that particular tuition center had uh, quite a large number of students from like the local school mm. and whatever those kids were doing in year 12, I would like have a little booklet. I like, would make a booklet out yeah. of my own, out of the goodness of my own heart, I thought yeah. at the time. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. And that eventually culminated into me getting quite a lucrative deal with them. And yeah. I now publish pretty much all their workbooks. Mm. Yeah. So mm. definitely like, look, interns, like when I was interning with them, it was horrible. It yeah. was, you know, I was working ridiculous hours. Um, and, you know, if I didn't have the support of my parents and if I didn't have, you know, if I if I couldn't pay rent, mm. like I wouldn't be able to do it. So definitely internships are a privilege. Yeah. Like let's just get that out of the way now. David and I were both very privileged. We both had a roof over our heads. Yeah. Someone else paid the rent. Right. Um, someone else fed us. So. Yes. But the internship was an incredibly valuable part of me getting into, um, you know, all the things that I get into now. Mm. And, you know, even now when I go to uh, interviews with other schools and my interview with the department, I think people are shocked at just how much is on my CV. Yeah. Because, like, David and I, you know, comparatively speaking, we're quite young yeah. for, for us to have all these things. Yeah. Just to reference, I'm 23 and a half. Okay. So all right. Young. Yeah. Emma, how are you? I'm 24 this year. <laughs> I just wanted to hear you say Okay. All right. Thanks, David. <laughs> so, yeah, no. Um, Back to, yeah, I think what you said about, you know, internships being a privilege, that was something I definitely didn't think about, like, back in the days. Like, you know, you, you don't get me wrong, I understood how much value I was bringing into that business that I was working at. It was, that was for the PR and marketing industry, by the way, I worked like it, my job was like, it should have just been ad hoc to be honest, like <laughs> the title because the amount of stuff I was doing, but yeah, I think what you said about internships being valuable, that's so, so true. Um, if you can look past it, if it's possible for you to, you know, offer yourself up to a company or even a small business. And that's what I really recommend, you know, anyone out there who's considering interning work for a small business, Mm. um, for for unpaid, you know, and not be remunerated for it. I think that is going to provide you with such valuable insight, not just into that industry, but how the workforce works and really how a business works. Because when a business is small and they're starting out, they're not just, the operations that they that they you know have going for them it's it's absolutely not there yet right it's not perfect yeah it probably doesn't exist yet and so when you start out at a small business you actually have the chance to have your voice heard Mm. you actually have the chance to implement you know strategies um and see how they would play out because when you work for a company like say one of you know an asx company as their intern 
chances are operations have already been laid out. Yeah. Business goals have already been laid out. Yeah. And that's like their social responsibility just to take some that's interns. That's it. Yeah. That's it. You know, for them, you're a statistic, um, which they can just say, yes, you know, we've, we've ticked off our corporate social responsibilities and, you know, we, we hire young people from young demographic and most likely we're from low SES demographics as well. Mm. And, you know, you don't really learn anything because realistically you're not working under someone who has the ability to think and connect everyday operations to long-term business goals. Mm. I think if you work instead with a small business, you can actually see the nuances and the minutiae play out day in, day out. And that's what I found valuable with mm. my own. Like I was able to see how small actions, even if it was like creating like a template for an email, which you could send out to multiple clients and they could use over and over again, how that affected lead times for closing a deal with a client. That, you know, like that, it's just, that that's an example of a tiny thing. But, you know, when you, when you go into a company, like say, for example, an ASX company, those things have already been thought out for you. You don't, yeah. you don't have to go out that and think about, oh, how, how can I overcome yeah. this challenge? Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. And so, yeah, I think interning is such a valuable thing. And really, I don't think I would be here today if it weren't for my internship experiences back in the days, mm. like... Look, as as irrelevant as they may have seemed, because yeah. I don't use any of those <laughs> those those um, skills anymore. It's pretty much it was the ability to think and connect everyday operations to long term business goals for me that I found the most useful, mm. and just seeing how they played out in the grand scheme of things mm. that I really appreciated. But yeah, I think internships um they're much more valuable than people think and. Yeah, and well, so what with with your internship? You said you worked at a touring center. What about any? Have you worked in any other industries for internships? Largely speaking, no. No, no. I, I, and I think um, it is it is something that I wish I had done. Mm. Um, be, simply for the fact that like I'd like yeah. to experience other worlds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, um, I did the regular like uni retail mm. um line cook yeah that sort of thing yeah but yeah. as as it stands i haven't done any unpaid internships outside of the education sector mm. fun question would you be willing to do an unpaid internship in the future currently given where you are now given what no why would i this is a duality of internships right like i feel like i've eaten enough shit in my life Right. That like interning is just out of the question. Like that's yeah. so. If we hark back to earlier when we were talking about how you just have to eat shit, mm. internships are perfect examples of eating shit. You yeah. have to go get coffee for people. Yeah. You have to do like the absolute most inane things. Yeah, you know. Yeah. But it's it's these little things that really build your resilience. Yeah, and it builds like your character and your yeah. ego, so you know who you are. Mm. Um, yeah, no, I would not do an internship right mm. now, though. <laughs> no, no, I don't blame you. But yeah. I think, you know, that, that that's something we need to absolutely address at the same time, right? Like, although internships are valuable, there's only a select few people out there who yeah. can yeah. afford yeah. to do an unpaid internship. Absolutely. And now, that might sound confusing for a lot of people because the last person I spoke to about that, they're like, what do you mean? You're, you're not paying for anything. Although I'm not paying for anything to be in an internship, you can't deny that there is an opportunity cost. Yeah, absolutely. Time. Yeah, And not just opportunity costs, but, you know, at the same time, whilst I'm not getting any money from an internship, 
I am getting bills from, say, an RMA. Yeah. I am getting bills from Vodafone. Yeah. Right? And I think that's something a lot of people miss. And I think we do need to absolutely address that at the same time. So, you know, I did say, and Emma did also say that if you do have the capacity to go out and, you know, get an internship, absolutely do it. But if you cannot afford to do an unpaid internship simply because your financial situation says that, you know, it's just not possible. Mm-hmm. Don't force it out of the way. Like I, I wouldn't go as far as yeah. to say that an unpaid internship, you know, is more valuable than having food at, on your dinner table. No, I like eating. Same. Yeah. You know? And not just love, but I need the eating. Yeah. Like, I, I, I really need, do you know what I mean? So yeah, you know, I think that's, again, it comes down to privilege at the same time. Like I, I still live with mum and dad, love them, love living. I have such, I'm so privileged to live with them still, like in the same way, you know, that a lot of people, because I, I recognize a lot of people out there don't have parents to live with. Mm. And not only that, my parents themselves, right, they, they came over here by boat and they couldn't live with their parents. So yeah. for me, I know my privileges. Yeah. And so that's why, even though I'm saying here to people, you know, get an unpaid internship because you'll learn a lot. Yeah. That's not something a lot of people can do. Yeah. I think you yeah. know, recognizing that privilege is really important. Yeah. But um, what would you what would you say to someone who is looking to get experience mm, in like an area yeah. but can't afford to take an un an, an unpaid internship outside of uni? Mm. What would you do? So un they want experience in one area. Yeah. But they can't afford it. Yeah. I think internet is so valuable. Yeah. YouTube. Yeah. Look. She's not going to be peer-reviewed. <laughs> she, she's not going to be certified all the time. Yeah. But... She might actually be an Indian man online. Right. You know? yeah, 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 right. You know, they might be completely spitting out false information. Yeah. But if you can find the right videos to, to watch, mm. I think they're so valuable. Yeah. I'm not, you know, versed in um, photography or anything like that. Look, I did have some experience like back in the days, but a lot of everything I learned when it came to photography because I needed to do it for um, marketing and PR back then, I learned through YouTube. Like, mm-hmm. there are free resources out there online, on YouTube, on Google, that you can just really make the most of in order to, to upskill yourself, yeah. right? And I don't want to be that person to say, you know, you, you need to go out there and upskill yourself because yeah. the world is changing. But yeah. the world is changing, right? Yeah. Like we said before, it's, it's not the same as it used to be, like... Bloody last year, let alone, you know, 10 years yeah, ago. Yeah, I know. So I think even if it comes to you not being able to afford to get into a particular internship because you cannot afford it, I think there are other ways around there. Like yeah. all the skills I learned with marketing, right? The hard skills, the technical skills, I could have learned on YouTube. Yeah. And I look back now and I say, wow, I could have saved myself three months in just three videos. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? I would have saved so much money on petrol. I would have saved all that time if I just watched three videos. Yeah. But what I'm trying to say is when it comes to um, learning the soft skills, right? Yeah. The side of being able to think laterally, thinking, you know, and forecasting, right? Those skills, unfortunately, I don't have an answer for you. I, I, mm. I have no idea. Like, I would have to call in a guest speaker to be honest. I, maybe one of you out there have been in that position before where you could not afford to work in, you know, an internship that was unpaid, but you found a way around it and learned both the hard skills and the soft skills that come with an unpaid internship. But for me, like, I really had to do it, you know, in person to see what it was about. As as painful as it was in terms of, you know, the strain it had on my bank account and my ability to 
buy certain food, for example. <laughs> like, you definitely feel the strain. I, I just have no idea personally how, how I would curve that, that situation. Mm. I mean, I, I have, as you've heard before, I didn't intern in any other industry. Mm. Um, but I have been working, you know, since I was quite a young age in a number of, like, retail positions and you know i'd like to offer a, a, i guess a consolation prize to those of us who can't really afford to to do unpaid internships you know working retail and like working with other people those mm. are like honestly some of the soft skills um that are transferable anywhere yeah, yeah. dealing with shitty customers yeah. dealing with grumpy people you know dealing with passive aggressive work emails right i think you know if you can't get an unpaid internship, if you can't get an internship, don't stress too much. There mm. are definitely soft skills um, that you need that you have to actually actively think about when mm. you're at work um, that can help you, mm. you know, in, in your future. Yeah, I think, yeah, that's absolutely right. Like, even though we do have, you know, takeaways for people who, you know, learn how to network, learn how to intern, I, we can't guarantee for sure right, even after you do the following, that you can kind of have a better understanding about what you love. Because let's say there are 10 people who are doing an unpaid internship, you can't guarantee that all 10 of them are going to learn the same hard skills and soft skills, yeah. right? And I think it comes down to a matter of perspective and really just being able to put everything into perspective and knowing exactly what you want out of your life. But no, like we... we you know, telling you guys to intern and telling you to network, those are things which we believe through our own experiences would help, you know, kind of refine exactly what you, you really love and, you know, it's and to hopefully lead you to under, un, into understanding how you can go about achieving that. But really, realistically, it comes down to you and it comes down to, you know, your own values, but each to their own. Mm. But... That's the advice that we have so far when it comes to just really knowing what you love and figuring that out. Well, that brings us to the end of this episode. Thank you for listening. We'll be here again soon to continue the conversation with you all. But before then, if you have any questions about anything we've said on this episode, or even if you have a question you'd like for us to answer on our podcast, be sure to send us a DM on Instagram. Our social handle is at Foci Education. But until then, that's it from David and I. See you all next time. Bye. Bye.